Stoke won, so why not celebrate with a free case of craft beer from our friends at Beer 52. The world's most popular craft beer discovery club, Beer 52, searches out exclusive small batch craft beers and brings them back for their members. There's a different theme every month. This month, it's the Six Nations, which I gather is some kind of rugby tournament. Try beers from each of the six participating countries with great brews from the likes of Boss Brewing in Wales and Ireland's White Hag Brewery. Each case contains eight beers, ferment magazine and a snack, and your first case is free when you go to beer52.com forward slash wizards. You can pause or cancel your subscription at any time and just pay postage. You'll also be giving this podcast a little helping hand as well, but who cares, right? Free beer. That's beer52.com forward slash wizards. Go on, Stoke. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowlishaw and I'm joined by Chris Brammer. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm very well, Chris. I'm also well because I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm here. This lads. is me. <laughs> lads, lads, and everybody, Stoke have won a football match. Come on! Yeah! Yeah. 16th place! Bloody... Kick it in the, get them! Get them! Bloody shit! Bastards! Oh, what a relief, eh? Yeah. What a bloody nice thing to have happened. Let's have some three-word reviews. Confident goal strikes. Still not three. Some people are never happy, are they? Finally, we won. Much more balanced. A little patience. That winning feeling. A good afternoon. I'll take it. Wasn't expecting that. Harry's Expecto Patronum. Who's who's the Harry? I detect wizardry. Again, you know, similar theme. I'm confused by that Harry Potter one. But, but, you know, let's go with it. <laughs> Trust the process. We needed that. About bloody time. Enjoyed it today. Warm, fuzzy feeling. And Chris, uh, a common uh, phrase on this podcast, whenever we win a game, green shoots appearing. Yes. Trademark, yes. put it in the bag. Nice one. It was. Do you know what? It was. It's a typical green shoots appearing performance as well. Um, it, it was a much... As someone said in those three-word reviews, it was a much more balanced performance. Uh, it was much more enjoyable to see, not just because we won, but because um, for large parts of the game, I felt we controlled it. I thought this is a completely different side to the Stoke team that have been frustrating to watch for the last few, God, month. Because we haven't won in a month, have we? That's nuts. Well, no, it's not. We got relegated last season. Yeah. There's like weirder things that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was no, uh, really, really, really chuffed. Obviously, you, there was still a lot of work in progress. By no means was that a polished article, but a polished article. A polished article. <laughs> I'm mixing all my uh, phrases today. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was good, Dave. I enjoyed it a lot. Not quite a diamond, but a slightly more uh, ambitious lineup. You could say a bit more excitement. Uh, the reintroduction of Bojan. Oh uh, God, you're obsessed! In... Oh, oh bloody sorry. hell! All you want to talk about is Bojan, Bojan this, Bojan that. <laughs> uh, the... Oh, I'm glad to have he who was taking the named. private lock off my so, Twitter account. Yeah. What fun! What fun it is. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was great. I, like I think back to August and September, and on here, me and Chris kept saying things like, "Oh, we just need to have faith. It'll happen. Rowett will turn it round. We're going in the right direction." And he kept letting us down. And I feel like Nathan Jones hasn't done that. I feel we've actually been building to this. Like he said, we probably should have snuck a win in the three games before this at some point, maybe even the fourth, including West Brom. But, you know, we went and we we played better than the other team for 90 minutes of football. And I don't think that's happened since 2017, at least. So, yeah, wow, fun. <laughs> a lot of uh, discussion of who the man of the match uh should have been yesterday because there was quite a few candidates. Uh, a lot of people saying there wasn't anyone, you know, a nine or an eight out of ten even, but it was just a kind of really balanced team performance. Uh, who caught your eye for us, Tom? Peter Atbo. My God. I don't know how we're going to do it, if we're going to have to breach some human rights and sort of lock him in a really dark basement all summer. But, my God, I think it should happen. He is... Quality, and I think it's another one that's another knife that you can stab into Rower. That this dude wasn't a regular starter under him. Yeah, he played, but he wasn't. He wasn't the first name on the team sheet. He has been almost every week with Jones. And my God, he looks like the footballer we thought we were getting. Who put Lionel Messi in his pocket at the World Cup? Um, bloody hell! Yeah, if you're saying he wasn't a nine or ten out of ten. I don't really know what else you're looking for in a certain midfield performance. I thought he had everything. Lovely to actually see him shoot for once, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, well, I lovely, that... lovely to see him score for once. <laughs> I'm going to say he's had, he's had a fair few shots uh, in his time. But I think it was, it was really, really nice to see a midfield that um, actually operated with some sense and I know that and I don't want to keep bringing him up we are obsessed on this podcast with Bojan bloody you know who. but I, I do think that the the having an actual number 10 there who was trying to move into space and who Nottingham Forest were really really trying to block out the game did allow Alan and Etebo to have a good old space on midfield and allowed them to, to have time on the ball and that worked to our to our benefit you know for for weeks we've banged on about how rubbish midfield has looked how we can't seem to control it we're we're hurried off the ball yesterday we didn't have that and it just that was where the quality shone through when our players were on the ball that was where it was quite apparent that oh yes these players are actually they have got a bit of skill about them haven't they They're, they're not as they're not just as annoying as we've banged on about for weeks and weeks they are actually quite all right it's interesting kind of recently I've, I've looked at Stoke in comparison to Aston Villa and uh, Dean Smith and how they us and Villa now have both got kind of young well youngish in the case of Smith but kind of maybe a bit inexperienced managers who are working their way up the game and trying to implement a philosophy at a big club who perhaps have much higher expectations than they used to um, and Villa got a fantastic result against Derby yesterday. And I just kind of think it's interesting that Derby and Forest are, in theory, battling for the playoffs. Uh, and yet, when I look at Villa and Stoke, I kind of, 
is it is it going too far to say I'd rather be in our position or Villa's position, kind of working towards a, a may, maybe greater things than Forrest or Derby can achieve this season? Because I think both Forrest and Derby are very limited managers, and I just think if that Forrest side makes the playoffs, fucking hell, you know, this <laughs> is it, it's it's not been. Um, it's not been a vintage year, but but do you, do you get do you get what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I agree one hundred percent. In a sense of us and Villa, there isn't loads of clubs who are looking. Maybe maybe someone like Preston who's pushed on um, a bit sort of in the second half of the season. Who you're looking at as a fan of theirs and thinking, okay, it's not going to happen for us this season, but next season I'm slowly filling myself with confidence. Whereas your, your Forests, like you mentioned, your West Broms since Harvey Barnes left um, and, and Derby with Harry Wilson's left foot and pretty much nothing else, um, mm. they're going to be so much worse next season. <laughs> I, I don't know how they're going to get any better. They're not going to go and sign all of the best young players who on loan again. And we are. We're gonna do it. Na 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 na. I think we win one game. I think that's just it, though. I would much rather be in a position where we're looking to build an identity at the club and um, actually try and work to a put, ingrain the the club with some form of playing style that means that when and if we ever do go back up, we have a set of principles that we can stick to and we have a way of playing that is that is thoroughly ingrained rather than. I mean, I don't watch Derby that well. You know, I don't. I haven't watched them that much this season. And Forest, they're under a new manager, but I, I couldn't say. If, if you ask me, oh, what type of playing style do Derby have? What do Forest do? I wouldn't really be able to tell you what they're trying to achieve, apart from, as you say, Frank's got some young players in, and he's just trying to get them to work and. Martin O'Neill has Roy Keane who shouts at people. <laughs> like, like I would much rather because it, then it also and, and then from a from a fan perspective, it gives us something to be invested in long term. We can, as much as again we joke about green shoots of of progress, but it's it's good to think that okay, there's something bigger happening here. It's not just game to game. What result can we get? It's a bigger picture of what are we working towards trying to get our club to look like and i don't know i would i would much rather that than just this ad hoc um style that i judge derby and not even forest to have they might not they you know someone who watches it much more may be like oh no at derby we are trying a really cool possession system but i have no idea because i don't care so i'm not really <laughs> i'm not really an expert on this <laughs> i just think it's re- i just think it's really funny that um Derby fans are in meltdown over Frank Lampard, and it's and that's good, isn't it? Because you know who they should hire to replace Frank Lampard, <laughs> Gary Rowan. <laughs> I mean, Terry. I'm sure they're up defensively. <laughs> you get the sense that it was quite an important win for us, uh, having gone uh, quite some time without a win to to now be in a position of saying, "Oh, we're four unbeaten now," which is <laughs> a bit ridiculous in itself, but. Uh, yeah, there were definitely a lot of uh, agitated comments made about Nathan Jones, even by those who were saying, oh, I'm willing to give him time, but this, this and this. And there was a tiny minority of people saying, oh, he's out of his depth already. You know, bloody hell. Um, but uh, talk, uh, talking about what you mentioned there, Chris, of like finding the positivity in 
uh, what we can look forward to next season. Uh, what about the performance yesterday do you think will be carried on in, into next season? Because it wasn't really a proper diamond, was it? It was more sort of a... a what was it? A sort of a 4-3-3-ish type thing. Um, yeah, but uh, what what kind of elements of, of the performance would you say... Uh, would you want us to bring into next season? I, I think that we said it last week that it's it's good that Nathan Jones isn't so stubborn that he's sticking to a formation regardless of the fact that maybe we don't have all the players for it. And he's he's clearly trying to work a style that is passing based, that is it's intricate passing, it's it's progressive in its attack, but it's also patient. And those elements, I thought, remained key yesterday, despite the fact that we didn't really have the the position of a diamond. And I think one of the main things is I'm not sure he feels he has the full-backs come wing-backs, especially not on that left-hand side, to be able to do that job as of yet. Tom Edwards, I think, he he likes the look of. I mean, he's we, we, we let Martina go away didn't we and kept tom edwards in in the in the team so i think he likes to look at that but i think it, it, it's a system that is so reliant on fullbacks getting forward uh getting to the byline and those cut crosses that cut back that without that you you really need to find a different way of getting the ball into the box um so it, i think that the the intent is gonna remain even if next season we line up in a slightly different shape but as we said again last week i don't think it hurts to have variants of that shape that you can pull out you know so oh one game we'll drop the mid the deepest midfielder and put a center back there and go to a back three i don't think that's the worst thing because i think the fundamentals of the system remain the same regardless of the variant shape change. Tom, would you agree? You've been a stats and tactic person. Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty much it. I think Jones is maybe, at, at least in the sense of maybe that Vokes is a player, he feels he can't use that diamond system without, as in he can't play two up front without one of them being um, like a proper target man. So I think that's maybe why we've seen this 4-3-3 a bit more recently. And yeah, I think obviously it's... Uh, it's not one of those systems that footballers are necessarily used to in their career. So you can assume sort of most professional footballers by the time they get to like 25 will have played in a 4-4-2, will have played in a 4-3-3, will have played in a some sort of back three, back five system. A diamond is a bit more specialised and the way I understand it from what Jones has said about his diamond is diamond is a really particular style of football and he has really particular roles for the players that they need to understand. And try and it, it, took, it took sort of three years for Luton to get there, to get to the stage they're at now where they can almost play the system without Jones because they understand it so well. So to sort of have him have to implement that system over a six-week, eight-week period where in most of those weeks he's had to play two games of football every week um, it just wasn't feasible. So he's gone to a system, the 4-3-3, that they understand that this, the roles are familiar to him with. But like Chris says, it, it's the way we're playing football. Shapes are neither here nor there when you're talking about tactics. It's it's the way we're trying to play football. And we are seeing it. We are seeing, like he says, like Nathan Jones is fond of saying, we are seeing players be braver in possession. They do, every now and again, try that killer penetrative pass. And they do seem more likely to go to that than they do to the 
dull possession recycling that we saw under Rowett. Mm. It's nice to feel like there's a bit more confidence in the team now. And I think a lot of that confidence has come from the fact that we, at long last, finally trust our defence. I, I know um, a lot of the, the, the stifling possession crap under Rowett was very much based on the kind of, if we get too gung-ho, we'll get picked off because we can't trust this defence because they used to concede three goals every game. But now I feel like Bart has come in and uh, really just given the midfield a bit more kind of uh, just uh, then they're, they're not spending every moment of the game worried about the back line anymore, even though a lot of the personnel is still the same. Ryan Shawcross came back in and there was a lot of doubts about him earlier in the season. And Ryan Shawcross was by all accounts fine. Um, I'd wonder if he's maybe too similar to Bart in just being kind of uh, traditional championship centre-half, if you like. But that's by the by. I mean, Forrest didn't really get much of a sniff yesterday and that's credit to the defence and Bruno Martins in the left-back, you know, uh, who who saw that being at all feasible uh, going forward. So, yeah, and that, and that confidence thing kind of, uh, it's reflected in the goals as well. I mentioned the Tebo shooting, but also a faux base finish is not the finish of a guy who's kind of been as criticised as he has. I know he's uh, up there in terms of uh, goals for us this season, but uh, like, there's no way five or six games ago, I mean, he did score a really good one at Brentford, so mm-hmm. perhaps I'm just chatting shit, but it feels like... Uh, we, we're just willing to give it a go a bit more. I mean, Pete Smith mentioned that the XG on both goals was down at 6%, so they had a 6% chance of scoring each goal. And so the, the fact that we're just willing to have to take those shots in the first place against that bloody lanky <laughs> bastard, Pantillamon, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's uh, really pleasing to have this... There's definitely green shoots. Yes, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like a free-flowing Carvam Open, you know, uh, Stoke Alona performance by any stretch. This was a average side, but nonetheless, still a side that is competing for the playoffs. Where, mm. Whereas we've had a poor season. Uh, speaking of which, we, that result moves us up to 16th. Ooh. Having been looking looking over our shoulders, I think we're probably safe now, lads. I think even if we lost every single game, I still think we'd stay up. Can't I can't see Rotherham getting to have more points, uh, that's for sure. But it does, does beg the question, we are only seven points off <laughs> Bristol City in sixth place. What is, the, uh, what is our most realistic aim that we can achieve this season? Hang what on. do you think a, uh, a good... Uh, a good target for Jones to reach this season would be nice finish above Derby County. Yeah, what? yeah, finish I'm above it. seventh place Derby County. I'm saying oh, it wow. now. Stoke City Football Club are finishing above Frank Lampard's Derby County. Oh. It's happening. Get on board. Um, yeah, that's the aim. I've decided. That's what they've said in the dressing room. We're going to finish above them frauds up the A50, and they're all going to have a terrible summer because we did. They're seven points ahead of us. They've got six better goal difference. They have actually got like I know we I know we did kind of mock them earlier, but they do have good players. 
in fact, they did just get battered by Villa. So yeah. you really think? Yeah, but we've got God down. on our team. So <laughs> I thought we weren't talking about Belgium. Hey. <laughs> I think just to to throw it back to old school Wizards of Drivel and old school predictions. Oh God, no. Does that mean I'll make the production really off? Hey, no, I'm going to say that uh, we should aim for ninth. <laughs> oh, a lovely ninth. Lovely ninth. It's like, put, it's like putting it on, putting on an old pair of slippers. Isn't exactly. <laughs> but who are, at the moment for oh, Forrester in ninth, and they're on fifty points, so only six points off. There is so much. There is so sorry, so little between sixteenth to seventh it's actually quite ridiculous mm. like it, the, the the cards can shuffle around so they can because like to to be honest i i'd love a top half uh finish and I, I feel a bit guilty for asking that what can we achieve question because i know we can just as easily lose our next two games uh, like we did uh in the sort of Hall West Brom Preston runner games and everyone will be like, Oh god, bloody Stoke, we're we're shit again. But that doesn't really matter. We could finish nineteenth and I feel like it wouldn't really matter too much yeah. as long as you know the the wheels didn't fall off yeah. totally. Um and as long as we had these games where we saw these these green shoots and uh the the plan starting to to, to percolate a little bit. That would be good. Uh, on a related note, a lot of praise for Tom Edwards' performance yesterday. It's his first win as a starter in the championship for Jesus. us, which is quite surprising. His last uh, win as a uh, starting player in the league came against West Brom last season, where <laughs> we uh, uh, won mm. 3-1. Um, but uh, I'm kind of asking this in relation to the impressive loan performances of Harry Souter and Tyrese Campbell. I think Campbell ended his goal-scoring run uh, this weekend. Uh, but, uh, like, do we see Jones incorporating Campbell or Souter or Verlinden or uh, hashtag deploying Goy <laughs> into his side next season? I mean, do we think do we think he'll look to the academy in general? Do you? Do you think he sees that as part of God's plan? <laughs> I think. I think, I think so. Yeah, I'd like. I mean, I'd like to think so. I think there are certain players. I, I, I think the likes of Campbell. Campbell's putting on a really good show of himself while away on loan, so that can only go in his favour in terms of coming back and being part of the first team squad. Um, same, I suppose, goes for Suter. Um, it will be interesting to see how he incorporates them during pre-season and I guess that's where a lot of the a lot of his judgment will come from um getting to integrate these players into training getting them to know the system seeing what they can do because with the exceptions of Edwards the, the others have only really made cameo appearances and I I don't think he can you can't really make a judgment on that as much as I'd love him to include them all um I think that it, you're far more likely to get to the summer and then decisions will be made about where the players are kept on. Um, I think Ingoy is the big one with regards to that because I don't really know how his loan spell this year has gone. It's kind of been a a mixed blessing. We're certainly not, not getting the, the same raved reviews as we are with Campbell. 
and you would imagine potentially that there's only room for one young striker in there um well it depends if we can shift the likes of Berahino and that I guess um hopeful but I'm not like thinking yep we're gonna go total youth they're all gonna be in they're all gonna get a chance uh I think it yeah <laughs> yeah I think both of those loans sort of struck me as look lads when you come back in the summer there'll be plenty of opportunities for you to integrate yourselves into my first team Right now, the rest of them are an absolute shit show. So I'm going to send you out on loan, guaranteed game time, come back when I've sort of sorted this mess out a little bit more. So I'd be dead surprised because obviously Campbell came straight into the size um, for the Leeds game um, and worked his arse off and did amazing up front. So I'd be dead surprised if he isn't in and like suited getting rave reviews as a 19-year-old in League One. Um, that's a pretty unforgiving division <laughs> for, for centre-halves to be playing, especially at 19. Mm. So, like, I do think we've got to be optimistic. But again, with, with caution, maybe it might not be this season. Maybe it might be the season after. There's no rush necessarily, provided we're keeping them happy in there, not wanting yeah. to sort of move away to get game time. So, I, yeah, I'm hopeful that it'll involve them. I think it's really, really important as well that, especially for those two, that their loan experiences are positive ones. So, you know, this is kind of their first real experience of week-in, week-out football. Well, especially for Campbell, I mean. And it was very important that he gets off to a good start. He's got confidence about him. He's 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 enjoying his football, and that's very good for him to come back at the end of the season. If he continues in this form, comes back at the end of the season to us and has a a really good attitude towards how he's doing and, and learns things because obviously the whole idea behind sending young players out on loan is that they learn things that they're not going to get to learn through limited minutes at a club the size of ours um i also do you want a julian and goy update uh, okay sure in, in, <laughs> we interrupt this podcast for an ungoy update. go on tell me tell me okay i'm on the edge so, of my seat so so Julian Ngoy's uh, record, uh, as per me googling him on, uh, or just me searching for him on Transfer Marked, just then he has scored three goals and has one assist in fifteen Super League games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took a while to break into the team, but recently has mainly started uh, on the left wing. Uh, Twenty, but he's only had the chance to play in seventeen or eighteen or so games this season. So uh, he's a regular starter and he's playing on the left wing and. He's popped up with uh, a handful of goals, uh, but less good news is that Grasshoppers, his team, are rock bottom of the Swiss Super League with 18 points from 23 games. See, that isn't bad news, though, because they have an option to exercise a right to purchase him at the end of the transfer window, but... And I don't know how the Swiss Super League works. I'm assuming it's a European league, so I'm assuming it has promotion relegation. If they get relegated, they might not be able to afford him. So he'll have to come home and he'll have to be deployed. The, my, my concern is more that they put that clause in his contract and whether the club see him long-term having a, a, a role with us. Obviously, it's up to Nathan Jones if he wants to incorporate him, but I'm I'm wondering whether they're not as keen on Ngoy as they once were and that 
Campbell is the chosen one uh, going forward. Mm. And and the chosen one. We're, we're all over the place with these Harry so. Potter references today. <laughs> but I think it's also really positive that um, uh, Kevin Campbell, dad of Tyrese, is on Twitter waxing lyrically about how his son can't wait to get back to Stoke. So he's doing a proper hype man job, and he's getting me. I'm all hyped up about it. So that's exciting. Maybe the club should give him a job. Get him on the pitch before the match. <laughs> That'd be it. Yeah, I mean, tell you the time I was most hyped about Tyrese Campbell was when he scored two goals for us, and then we loaned him out. Um, but to the team he go. scored two goals against, because that's how transfers work. That that is how transfers work. Speaking of transfers, uh, uh, Alan reluctant Nico Nixon has linked Jack Butland uh, with a £15 million potential move to Crystal Palace. Uh, I mean, it probably wasn't going to be long before these sorts of stories started appearing, but uh, a lot of people saying, £15 million quid, are you taking the piss? A lot of people saying, £15 million quid, bloody hell, we won't get that for him. Uh, and some people going, Crystal Palace, they, they won't want to play like Jack Butland. And some people go, Crystal Palace? They'd be lucky to get Jack Butland. Uh, where do you stand on uh, the potential to cash in on uh, our Jack? I think at the at that figure, uh, I don't think it's enough for me to actively want us to cash in in the sense of most of that figure, I suggest, will go to getting an adequate replacement in for Jack Butland because as soon as we sell Butland, every club with a decent keeper, unless we get someone in on loan, will add a couple of million to their prize tag for us. Um, and I don't think 15 million is enough to justify it. I, I just, I don't know. I know we talk about modern footballers and they don't care, but I think Jack does care. He shouts a lot and I think he cares and I think he'd like to stay and get us back in the Premier League. But obviously, I think his England place comes first. And if he's been told, look, it's all right, Jack, go down there one season, come back up and, and there'll be no problem with your place. If Southgate's now saying, look, you've got to be playing in the Premier League if you want me to pick you, then I don't know if we can stand in his way, really, because I think that would be a bit selfish of us because he's a nice guy and he's done his best for us for quite a few seasons. It's so hard to judge with English players in particular, like what's a what's a good price for them uh, because you can look at other English players who've gone for ridiculous amounts of money and think, oh, 15 million, not very much. But at the same time, uh, you know, what can a championship club get, get, especially a championship club that's been hovering around the lower parts of the table this season? I I would probably uh, be inclined to agree with you, Tom, and say, like, unless we're going to receive stupid Chelsea money, which again is probably unrealistic, unless we're going to receive a a really big fee that can we can rebuild the squad off, then I'd like to think that Butland will stay. Um, anything, uh, anything else uh, from the Forest game then before we move on? Do we invoke the the, the spectre of Bojan? Does anyone want to get anything off their chest? <laughs> I, yeah, I think. It's really important that Bojan gets a run of games and is fairly treated. But he didn't. But he. But he didn't win. <laughs> what did he do, Chris? Chris, what did he do? Wait. <laughs> you know. See, see, see. What I did there was just underline how I just fucking hate talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. You can't. 
he can't have an average game. Can no, he? The, the, this is he's on a fucking hide into nothing. The, yeah, the, yeah. Jones said in the week he hadn't been training properly with the first team because Rowett had cast him out. Uh, bring him back for sixty minutes. Uh, oh yeah, well, that that's that decided. My my opinion on it, and if this is too you know out there, stop me. But I think you can be both happy and feel that Bojan should get a run of games and also think that it was the right decision to sub him off. What? No, I'm sorry. That's that's not how it works. You either love Bojan or you want him drowned in the English Channel as a witch. That's how it works. <laughs> Witches, again, what's up? Um, but speaking of magicians... Uh, Look, oh, Rick scored a goal for Nantwich Town. His first goal in over four years. Yes. Nantwich are doing actually quite well. They're up in the, the playoff places of their league. Oh, just, he, he got the ball and then he kicked it in the goal. It was like, it was like old times, Chris. It was. Our mate Rick did really, really well. It was nice to see that video. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Rick. It was nice to see him score, because it was a nice little finish. It was a nice goal. Everyone celebrated. Can I wax lyrically about the two goals that we scored yesterday? Because just, yeah. uh, just I know going back to them, but they did the thing that I love most. There, there are like two things I really, really love about certain goals. I like the goals where it hits the post and you get that type of clink. Hang on, <laughs> I, I don't know if you can hear that. Like that noise. And it's like, oh, Chris is destroying his kitchen. (laughs) They hit that really hard. And then the two yesterday did the lovely thing where they like hit the net and then they, Etebos went in and like curved up and like back on itself. And, and Ephobis hit the post and like, woof. And it looks like, it looks like a, looks like a pinball. And I love those type of goals because it's just like, oh, look at the welly that they hit them with. They like go all spinning round that net, don't they? They're lovely. I've just uh, I've got a sense that I know what it's like for Chris's daughter at story time. <laughs> right, right. Uh, off topic, but uh, we were doing bedtime the other day, and uh, she chose some uh, Peppa Pig book to to read, and Stacy was up there with with us as we we go to bed, and I read this story, and after we finished, put it to put it to bed, and Stacy just goes, "My God, that was the most intense reading of Peppa Pig I've ever heard." <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Dribble. Chris <laughs> reads Peppa Pig. I'll happily do that, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Sorry. Rick scored oh, a yeah. goal. Yeah, Rick, Rick scored a goal. Stokes scored a goal. Uh, what I also enjoyed about our goals yesterday was, uh, you know how Stoke are doing these gold can things on their various social medias. Of They've got that little camera at the bottom of the net in the middle behind the goal. Uh, what what's so great about uh, that angle is you cannot see what is happening at all <laughs> until the ball hits the net. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I need to find them because I need to see the ball swiveling around the uh, the net. Yeah, they will actually be pretty perfect for your enjoyment of that specific type of goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I'll find it now. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, then, uh, a few uh, general questions uh, from the listeners. 
Uh, Alex says, when will we next score three goals in a single game? Obviously, we have this ridiculous run that we want to get rid of. Tom, when are we going to next score three goals in a single game? Uh, let me just get my calendar up because I've got a specific game in mind and I want the exact date for it. Wednesday the 13th of March, Stoke City Football Club are away at a team who've been mentioned a few times on the podcast so far. They're away at Derby County and we're not just scoring three goals, we're scoring seven. Seven goals, you hear it, we're coming for you Derby. Norwegian Potter asks, who do we want in the playoff semi-final? <laughs> um, oh West Derby. Brom, uh, Norwich... Sheffield United and another team who isn't Stoke. Please, I don't want us to go up this season. We'll yeah. be like Huddersfield. We'll be broken. Huddersfield stayed up their first season. Yeah, and now they've scored 14 goals in 28 games. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and Matt asks, will we kick on from here? Uh, I don't want to say yes because we've said that far too often, haven't we? I'm going to say yes, but maybe not right now. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe next on season. At some point in the future. <laughs> and it will be down to this game. To, good things come to those who wait, and then wait again, and then make doubly sure, and then they can have a good time. Shall we have Ryan's question? Yeah. Sure. Seeing as though Stoke clearly can't play football, what other careers should they take up instead? By the minute, Stoke says Kevin Vimmer, competitive eater. Nice one. Uh, Liam says Joe Allen, chicken farmer. Topher Knowles says Tom Ince would be a sneeze guard on a salad bar as he is good at (laughs) catching spit with his face. (laughs) That is a fantastic reference to a very disturbing story. Uh, (laughs) Santiago Dangerfield says Butland, copper. Just looks like one. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, he does. You reckon? I, yeah, he'd snitch on you, wouldn't when, he? When when I've been thinking about oh, what other jobs would they have? Like, I've definitely got Jack Butland. Would be like, oh, he'd have done an officer's course for the army or some shit. Like, he's definitely <laughs> in another life. He likes to be called Corporal. <laughs> Corporal, Corporal Butland. Butland. <laughs> Sorry. Don't know why uh, I found that funny. Jack says. Saido Berahino, F1 driver. Yeah. Uh, James says Bojan, professional hide and seeker. Get out. It's just not nice, is it, really? And also, professional hide and seeker isn't a thing, so shut up. <laughs> I wish it was. Wayne Broad says Atebo would be working in a nursery as he has experience of looking after small, messy people who dribble a lot. Oh, well done. Uh, a lot of shouts for Sido was a uh, various driving things, uh, taxi driver, bloody blah. Uh, Charlie Adam, graffiti artist. If he spray, if he sprays paint the way he sprays passes, he could be the next Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> well, contrast that with Scott, who says, "I reckon Charlie would be a butcher." <laughs> <laughs> And Benito Fisher just comes in with Charlie Adam, a shit doorman. <laughs> oh my, yeah, no, he he does look like he a does doorman, look like a doorman, definitely, doorman or dock worker. <laughs> <laughs> like you know that? Have you ever seen that Limmy sketch where he's like, 
that he's it's him <laughs> in the I can't even speak. He's like talking about the shipyards and stuff. That's Charlie Adam. Just oh, we used to build <laughs> ships down here. <laughs> Those were boys with trade. Uh, any thoughts on this? Any thoughts on this question? I started with um, with someone who isn't um, a Stoke player right now, but we still own them. So I've got Eric Peters. And I, I, Eric Peters is pretty, pretty like athletic-looking bloke, isn't he? So I reckon he could uh, transition from his career as a reality TV star to like a professional footballer or something like that. Good. Uh, I've got Joe Allen Sheepdog because he likes to uh, run around a lot. And um, Benicophobi redacted. J- James McLean. Redacted. Uh, Saido Berahino. Redacted. Um, don't want the podcast getting sued. Charlie Adam, right? So Guinness are going to come up with this new product. It's going to be an isotonic sports drink, but it's Guinness. And Charlie Adam is going to front that campaign. That is going to be his job. So I suppose it's not a new job. It's just something else for Charlie to do. <laughs> And then I've got Bruno as a global studies professor. There isn't really a joke. He just looks pretty wise and like he'd be into global studies. Uh, yeah. All all mine are based off what they look like as well. Yeah, mine are based um, off what they look like. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying Darren Fletcher looks like a geography teacher. I'm saying Adam Federici looks like the manager of a small regional Weatherspoon. <laughs> I'm saying Lassa Sorensen looks like someone who works at that small regional Weatherspoons. <laughs> And uh, Peter Tabo's in town planning. There you go. Ah, okay. I like that. I like that. I've got the Jakob Hogard looks like uh, a suspect in a Norwegian crime drama. Uh, Tom Edwards is a shit house DJ. He's Danish. Yeah, but he's going to be... Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's a warm but, place. but you know, but you know what, Dave? Brexit means Brexit. Ja- Jakob has skills that means he could be in a Norwegian uh, detective show. <laughs> so, so there. Yeah, like no one's seen him in months. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, Tom Edwards would be just a like a shit DJ you get in a club. Um, oh God, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I've been to clubs where it looks like Tom Edwards was DJing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Oh gosh, uh, Harry Souter would be delivering a newspaper. Um, uh, <laughs> he just he just looks he just looks like a paper boy, doesn't he? Bless him. And uh, Jeff Cameron, I'd rather not say what I think he'll be doing if he won't work playing the Stoke. <laughs> but it would probably involve being interviewed by the federal government at this point in time. <laughs> What an odd little podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Joe Allen does look like he should run a cafe as well, doesn't he? When I look at him now, I'm looking at his, like, his, his picture. Joe Allen, no. uh, I'd say I'm, I'm definitely picturing Joe in a rural community. Yeah. Uh, and Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. In, like, that Somewhere like they go on the, food. on the first season of The Trip. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he lives, yeah, he lives yeah, in exactly. One of those sorts of towns, but I think he might even like run, you know, like these mystic shops that sell all crystal <laughs> balls and shit. I think he could do one of them, and it would be called like the Welsh Wizard or something, and he'll be trying to sell you fucking uh, enchanted 
doorknobs and <laughs> crap like that. Good performance he by Joe yesterday. <laughs> you know that I, I I don't really go in, but I imagine that's what they said. Yeah, it's in it's it's scented candles and doorknobs, Dave. You're completely correct. You know, like I think that's you know, like at the moment, Ben is editing. Who are your pod for? Like to to go and it's award <laughs> season coming up. What do you think he'll edit for this podcast? <laughs> what what are the best bits from this one? <laughs> Should I enter this podcast in the British Podcast Award? Yeah. <laughs> oh, silly, silly little. Oh, fuck it. Jay. It all falls apart without Ben. It all falls apart without Ben. Uh, should I mention something kind of semi serious that I did actually want to uh, give a plug to? Um, Stoke City Love is Noise is uh, the initiative from. Lee Hawthorne and a few others uh, trying to improve the atmosphere at home games. Uh, they are going to be in the new corner of the Bet365 Stadium for the Reading game. Uh, if you go to their Twitter account, S-E-F-C-L-I-N, uh, love is noise, then you'll be able to find what specific uh, rows and seat numbers uh, they are. So if you are going to the Reading game, fancy a bit of a sing-song. You can even move your seat from uh, the one you've got your season ticket for. I think it's only £2 to move your ticket. But I think it's an idea really worth uh, getting behind. Uh, it's a home game against Reading. It's not going to be um, a sellout or even like a, a grudge match. So let's see if we can uh, generate an atmosphere for this game. So yeah, that would be bloody lovely if we could. Uh, Chris... Anything to plug, mention, just generally say uh, before we go? <laughs> um, do I, I don't know if I have anything to generally say. Apart from every, just just have a nice week and and stay stay safe. Don't argue with each other. On, <laughs> don't argue with each other on Twitter. Stay safe. Yeah. <laughs> and if anyone is serious about me reading children's stories on Patreon, I will do it. <laughs> Tom, stay safe. Um, <laughs> I promise I won't be thinking about Bojan this week. Tom, don't. I'm, when I said about getting in Twitter arguments, I'm, I'm talking to you. Don't get in Twitter arguments this week. Just, just... We were discussing before the podcast uh, started that Tom just has to breathe on Twitter before someone just... <laughs> Threatens to kill him for his Bojan opinion. I did actually get a death threat this week. That was fun. At what? <laughs> what? This... No, so, so seriously, Tom, stay safe. <laughs> exactly. Don't go tweeting any graphs or anything, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't. I'll stay well away from the graph. I mean, I, I'm intrigued to know what did you say for the to to warrant a death threat. Um. Well, I, I was talking to a Rangers fan on Twitter. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, oh right. Okay. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's not go down that route. Uh, sorry about this, everyone. It's time to finish the podcast. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> From your friendly neighbourhood wizards. See you later, Chris. Stay safe. Thank you. <laughs> See you later, Tom. Maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully I'll stay safe. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Our podcast is shit. Go on, Stoke. <laughs> Stoke won, so why not celebrate with a free case of craft beer from our friends at Beer 52. 
The world's most popular craft beer discovery club, Beer 52, searches out exclusive small batch craft beers and brings them back for their members. There's a different theme every month. This month, it's the Six Nations, which I gather is some kind of rugby tournament. Try beers from each of the six participating countries with great brews from the likes of Boss Brewing in Wales and Ireland's White Hag Brewery. Each case contains eight beers, ferment magazine and a snack, and your first case is free when you go to beer52.com forward slash wizards. You can pause or cancel your subscription at any time and just pay postage. You'll also be giving this podcast a little helping hand as well, but who cares, right? Free beer. That's beer52.com forward slash wizards. Go on Stoke. <laughs>